Welcome to the podcast of the Sunday morning worship service of the Heartland Church of the Nazarene. We're a community of faith learning to love God and our neighbors as ourselves. Welcome home. Today's sermon text is from Acts 3, 12 through 26. The passage will be on the screen for you, or if you like, please turn to Acts in your Bible. When Peter saw it, he addressed the people. You Israelites, why do you wonder at this, or why do you stare at us, as though by our own power or piety we had made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob The God of our ancestors has glorified his servant Jesus, whom you handed over and rejected in the presence of Pilate, though he had decided to release him. But you rejected the holy and righteous one and asked to have a murderer given to you, and you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And by faith in his name, his name itself has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given him this perfect health and the presence of all of you. And now, friends, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. In this way, God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, that his Messiah would suffer. Repent, therefore, and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Messiah appointed for you, that is, Jesus, who must remain in heaven until the time of universal restoration that God announced long ago through his holy prophets. Moses said, the Lord your God will raise up for you from your own people a prophet like me. You must listen to whatever he tells you, and it will be that everyone who does not listen to that prophet will be utterly rooted out of the people. And all the prophets, as many as as have spoken from Samuel and those after him, also predicted these days. You are the descendants of the prophets and of the covenant that God gave to your ancestors, saying to Abraham, and in your descendants, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. All right. Thank you, Sam. That is the word of the Lord for us today. Well, it's, um, we're in, in Easter season, right? And uh, so we're kind of chugging along through the, the book of Acts for a little while here. And we, we got a little ahead of ourselves last week, but we're coming back. And uh, we're going to be looking at this story for a little bit. So things kind of have settled into a new normal for Jesus' disciples. Um, we're past the day of Pentecost, and we'll come back to that in a couple of weeks. Uh, but the disciples are kind of going around their normal business. And our story today happens with uh, Peter and John. And they are, they are doing their normal things. They are going to the temple during the time of prayer to pray. They, they are still kind of largely going about doing the same things that they would have done to be good worshipers of God. Only in this case, they kind of they have another layer of, of things uh, that they understand about who Jesus is. Well, they're going, to the, uh, they're going to the temple, and I want you to kind of, today will be, I hope, uh, kind of, I want you to imagine yourself within this story at this, at this point today. So we're, we're going to kind of look at it, the lead up to today's passage that was read. We're going to 
kind of look at from the crippled man's uh, point of view. And then the rest of it we'll kind of look at through a crowd who's maybe a fictional person in the crowd who's witnessed this. It's something new. If it doesn't work, uh, if it makes no sense to you, well, then I will never do it again, okay? All right? Uh, But nothing ventured, nothing gained, I guess. Well, I I want you to imagine yourself um, that you you are a cripple, you have no use of your legs, and you have not been able to walk. You've never, ever been able to walk in all of your life. Uh, now, in Jesus' day, uh, these kinds of ailments, well, uh, most of the time they were thought to have been God's judgment upon you or someone in your family for some kind of great travesty, some kind of great and deep sin. And so if you, were, uh, if you were like the crippled man that happens at the beginning of this story and you were sitting outside the temple begging for money, people kind of looked at you and thought, you are a detestable sinner. And uh, maybe we'll give you, maybe we'll feel sorry for you uh, and give you a little bit of money so that you might continue to eat. So I want you to imagine yourself, all of that kind of complexity of being outcast from the society because if you weren't whole and right, you couldn't really participate in all of the things that were taking place within the community, like excluded you from, from worship even and, and things like that. So put yourself there. You're, you're sitting there and uh, you're going about your normal thing. You're trying to get a little bit of money so that you might be able to eat and things like that. And so two men walk up and you're not overly impressed with these two particular men. They're just kind of plain and so you, you launch into your spiel about um, how you need a little bit of money to eat, alms for the poor. And the, the, the just two men, they, they, they spend a little bit more time with you than maybe anybody else who might have just tossed you a couple of coins. And they're looking at you intently, and you're a little puzzled by this because well, one of them looks like a fisherman, and you know fishermen aren't necessarily just rich folks because boats are expensive. I've never had one from what I hear. Um, and, and so they just look at him, and, and he's going about his spiel, and he's kind of lost in this, trying to figure out why these men are so intent on looking at him. And all of a sudden, he hears these words, get up and walk. And so the man, even though he's never, ever, ever been able to walk in his whole life, he gets up and begins to walk around. Not only that, but he's so excited that he can now walk that he's jumping and running around and because he is a good and faithful Jew, he is praising God. And he is, just, he is just so, so very happy. Well, that's the kind of lead up to today's story. And so maybe let's, let's shift positions there. If you were the, the crippled man, you would be ecstatic. And you wouldn't really care who these men were or by what power it was that they healed you, but all you know is that you couldn't walk before and now you can. And now you can participate fully in the, uh, in the life of the community. You can be a productive member of society. Let's, let's change the perspective a little bit. I want you now to kind of imagine yourself as someone who, well, as someone who has witnessed this particular event. And so you're, you're a a good Jewish person, and you are on your way to the temple to pray, and you, you recognize that this, there's a guy, and he used to sit here um, begging for money every time you would come into the temple in this particular way, and he's not there, and you, you go into the temple just a little bit further, and he is dancing around, and he is just excited, and he's praising God because, well, he couldn't walk, and now he can. 
And you're wondering, what in the world has happened? And then you realize, you're looking, and this guy, is, he is just like clinging to these two other men who are, who are coming into the temple as well. Maybe you don't know as a spectator that these men are Peter and John. Maybe you do. Maybe, maybe you recognize Peter as someone who just a couple of weeks ago gave a really, really great speech. And like people were hearing the message of Jesus in their own, in their own, in their own language, the day of Pentecost. So maybe you recognize him. Maybe you know who he is. Maybe, maybe you're from out of town and you don't. Whatever is the case may be, is you kind of get caught up in the moment and you're like, yeah, this is pretty amazing. I know this guy, he's, he's been crippled. And because you are a good Jewish person too, you begin to engage in praise of God. Because praising God is the, well, it's the only appropriate response to things like well, healing and things like that. Well, uh, he, he, you're sitting there, and when you're standing maybe, and you're watching, and all of a sudden, one of the men, the one who looks like a fisherman, he begins to speak, and he says this, you Israelites, why do you wonder at this, or why do you stare at us as though by our own power and our own piety uh, we made this man walk? And you think to yourself, you know, you know those are really good questions. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know how you did this because, well, if you were a pious person in Jerusalem, uh, you might have dressed like you were a pious person. Like, so the scribes and the Pharisees and the chief priests, like, they, they had dressed that, that made them, well, you knew they were like extra holy people. And, and these two men who made this man walk, well, they're just fishermen. So you're really, really curious. And, and he goes on and says, the God of Abraham, this is Peter talking again. God of Abraham, Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our ancestors, has glorified his servant Jesus, whom you handed over and rejected in the presence of Pilate, though he had decided to release him. And you're thinking, now what? Like, what, is, what does Jesus have to do with this? Like, Jesus is the guy they nailed on a cross, right? And you had heard some things about him. You had heard some things that he might have done. But how, how now is it possible that this man has been healed because of this Jesus who died? Like, if you're a good Israelite, you've been hoping for someone who is a Messiah. And this Jesus guy was claiming that he was a Messiah. And we've had lots of people who've claimed the Messiah, and they, they all kind of ended up dead as well, without really bringing about the salvation and the restoration and the wholeness that we were looking for. Ah, so it just doesn't, doesn't, really, doesn't really make sense. But he seems to be blaming us, <laughs> It's hard to get apart, uh, apart from this. Um, whom you handed over and rejected in the presence of Pilate. He's blaming, he's blaming us for Jesus' death. Right. He's saying, and we won't read this part, but uh, he's saying that we killed the author of life, the Holy One of God. All of this really kind of loaded language about our hope for the Messiah. Like he's saying we're, we're responsible for that. I think that's a little harsh. Uh, you know, if, if I'm a good Jewish person and I'm thinking about this because, well, I don't know, the Romans killed him. How can we really be responsible for that? Well, Peter goes on and he says, And now, friends, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your rulers, in the way God fulfilled what he foretold through all the prophets, through his Messiah, that his Messiah would suffer. And you're thinking again, you're like, 
from the beginning, God knew that his servant was going to suffer? Like, this doesn't make any sense. And you think about it even more, and you're like, yeah, wait, wait, wait. I remember in the book of Isaiah, like Isaiah talks several different times about, well, a servant of God who's going to suffer. And, and all of those passages have these kind of messianic overtones. They're, they're all wrapped up with our, with our hope that God is going to come and he's going to, wow, he's going to save us, and restore us, and heal us, and make, make his people what they should be again. But then Peter goes on and he says, he says, repent therefore, And turn to God that your sins may be wiped out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And you're thinking to yourself, repent? Like we're, you're preaching to the choir here because we are all, well, we are all good Jews. After all, it's the time of prayer. We are in the temple doing what we're supposed to be doing, doing what God has told us to do, to pray. And what what is it that we need to be repenting from? That just doesn't make sense. And, and our sins, he's saying that this Jesus guy is going to forgive us of our sins, but like it, it doesn't matter because like well, we offer these sacrifices every, these sacrifices that, that take away our sins. Well, at least that's what you're thinking. It doesn't make sense. And then he gets to this part about the times of refreshing, and you're thinking to yourself, well, what, what in the world? He keeps making these really, really bold claims about who Jesus is and what Jesus is going to do, and it just doesn't make sense to you. He goes a little bit farther, and he says, Moses said, the Lord your God will raise up for you from your own people a prophet like me. You must listen to whatever he tells you, and and it will be that everyone who does not listen to the prophet will be utterly rooted out from the people. Now, a couple of weeks ago, just to break the quasi-illusion that we've got going here, a couple of weeks ago in Epiphany, like we read this passage from Deuteronomy where, where God promises Moses that he's going to raise up a prophet that will be exactly like him, who will lead Israel. And Peter is here saying that this is the very same person. And, and, and maybe you begin to remember that passage from Deuteronomy. God is promising that that he would raise up a prophet just like Moses and maybe you're convinced and maybe maybe you're not. But back in the mind, you're still wondering how in the world could this guy who had been crucified, how in the world is he a prophet like Moses? Like Moses was the greatest. Well, then there's like Elijah and Elisha. But Moses like big time, Exodus, right? Salvation, God's greatest act of salvation prior to, to Jesus. You just, you're just not quite grasping what it is that Peter is saying. Even though you know all of these stories, you know all of the allusions that Peter is making to, well, to Isaiah and the suffering servants and to Deuteronomy and Moses and, and all of these passages from the Old Testament that point to the fact that God has been working from the beginning of time to restore and undo the brokenness that is worked throughout our world. You just don't know. You're trying in your mind to put all the pieces together, but you just you think messiahs don't die. 
Maybe you've heard that Jesus had been resurrected. Maybe you had heard that, that he really did come back from the, the dead and that he had appeared to some of his disciples, but you didn't see it for yourself, so you're not really sure. As you're standing there kind of lost in your own thoughts, and as Peter kind of goes on and on, out of the corner of your eye, you see, well, you see the religious folks start gathering. Those pious ones like the scribes and the Pharisees. And they are headed this way. They've heard about the commotion that's happened. They've heard about this man who couldn't walk but now can. They've heard about how Peter is saying, Jesus is the one who did this. And they do not look happy at all. In fact, they look like they're going to take Peter and John and arrest him. And since you're not fully committed, you're not fully sure if this Peter guy is right, you're like, it's time to go. And you go off and you separate yourself from this whole commotion. Even though it's still kind of working up around in your head. I, I wonder, I wonder if... I wonder what our response would have been had we been there that day. Uh, if you were the, the crippled man, how would you have responded to have been being healed? Would you have done the same thing? Would you have gotten up and jumped around and given praise to God? Would you have clung to the men who, uh, who had healed you? How would you have responded to have witnessing this particular event, to to a man who you know had never, ever walked before receiving the ability to walk. How, how would you have responded to two men getting up and, and going through kind of the scriptures and saying, this is why this has happened. It is because of Jesus and he's coming to do, and it's more than just this making the lame people walk. It's working that what this Jesus has come to do is working for times of restoration and refreshment, as Peter has said. Would you have stood there and be like, yeah, this makes sense. I think I understand what he's saying. Would your understanding of what the scriptures have been, would, would that have been good enough? How would you have reacted to the fact that Peter said, well, Jesus being killed was your fault. How would you have responded to saying that you had rejected the one who Peter is claiming is the savior of the entire world? I wonder, I wonder if we were there that day, if, if our knowledge of the story of God's love for creation would have been enough for us to have caught all of the illusions that Peter was making in that sermon that day. Would we have been able to catch the part from Isaiah or the part from Deuteronomy? Now I confess, I spend a lot of time with the Bible. That's, that sounds really braggy. That's not meant to be that way. But, but even, even if I spend a whole lot of time, I miss a lot of these kind of illusions that happen in the New Testament that, that, that go back to the Old Testament. So I'm not saying, like, if you don't, it's okay. There's a lot there, and there's a lot of meaning. And we're separated by such a, a far distance of culture and time I wonder what we would have done. I, I wonder, so the end of my sermons always are kind of titled in my notes, so what? Like, what does this mean for us? Why, why, does this, why are we even reading this? Why are we even talking about this? And so that was kind of difficult for this particular passage because I'm like, oh, it's, it's a sermon. This guy got healed. 
But I kept going back to Peter saying it was like it was you who rejected. It was you who rejected Jesus. But then I would come back to uh, verse 17. And now, friends, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. These good Jewish folks, uh, many of whom who would have from a very early age studied the scriptures, they would have known the story and they would have caught these illusions that P- Peter were making. They would have understood some of the signs and things that Jesus had been doing and they, or like they should have anyway, understood what Jesus was really doing, but they didn't. Like they completely missed it. Especially like the chief priests and religious leaders who should have known fully. They should have had eyes to see and ears to hear what Jesus was doing and saying. And here Peter says, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. I think, I think we're, like, we're in this story in, in the fact that we often think we have a great understanding of what God is doing in our world. Uh, that we think that maybe sometimes we come to the scriptures and we know exactly what it is saying and, and we totally misunderstand maybe what God is calling us to, to do or how God is calling us to, to be in the world or as a community of, of faith and the things that we're supposed to believe and to hold on to. And sometimes I wonder if, if like those good Jewish folks that we actually find ourselves working against what God is doing in the world. That that maybe we ask ourselves, would we have participated in Jesus' death like the Jewish folks did? And I think, and here's where the grace comes in for this one. I think if we said that, yeah, we misunderstood, if we were to confess that we often misunderstood what God is doing in our world, what God is calling us to do, that in the back of our mind we have Peter saying, and now, friends, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your rulers. See, and even at this point, Peter is saying, look, you messed up, you were wrong, but still God has not disqualified you from joining in with what he is doing in our world. You killed Jesus, but I still love you. You killed Jesus, but I still want you to participate in the grace and the salvation and the restoration that I am doing in this world here and now. There are lots of voices in our world today that tell us scream at us even angrily and say, this is what God is doing in our world. And maybe they're right. And maybe they're not. And as much as I've, I've been saying this for weeks, like what we're doing as a church hopefully is discerning together what it is that God is calling us to do here and now as individuals and as a community of faith. And sometimes we're going to get it right. Sometimes we're going to be faithful. And sometimes we're not. And I think that's okay. 
I, I want to get it right. I don't want to be wrong about what God is doing in the world. I don't want to be wrong about what God is calling us to do. But I know that, it, that if we don't do it exactly right, that God is saying, you acted in ignorance. You thought you knew, but you didn't. Come on, we'll give you another chance to get it right. So my call is, well, what, what I think this passage is saying to us is, regardless of, of what we have done or what we might do, of how we might get things wrong in the future, that God is always, always calling us to join with what he is doing in our world. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for your grace and your forgiveness. Um, we confess that sometimes we are a little too much like those good Jewish folks back when you were around. Uh, that we've missed what you were saying and that we thought we know what you were up to in the world, but we, well, we got it wrong and we actually worked against what you were wanting to do in the world. We confess sometimes that we're like that. Uh, we're like that maybe when we, when we judge people a little too harshly. We're like that when we don't give the same kind of grace to others that we have received from you. We're like that when we think that your salvation is all for us and for nobody else. We're like that when we think everybody has to maybe think and act and believe just the same way we do. Or we confess those things. We confess that, well, we acted in ignorance. And we ask that you would guide us. Uh, that as we pray every single Sunday, that you would open our hearts and our minds, our eyes and our ears to see and to hear what you're calling us to do so that we may not act in ignorance, but that we might go out with the power of your spirit and boldness to proclaim the good news. Uh, that we may love you with all that we are and that we may love our neighbor in the same way that you have loved us. But we also confess that as much as we want to get it right, we're not going to sometimes. And so we thank you for your grace. Your grace that never disqualifies us from participating in your work in the world. Lord, help us to be faithful. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our Sunday morning worship service. For more information about the Heartland Church of the Nazarene, please visit heartlandnaz.org.